Welcome back to the Depressed Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. I am Jesse Mapati, and on this podcast, we're going to recap the UC and Memphis Black Friday matchup this past, this last Friday, where the Bearcats football team unfortunately lost to the Memphis Tigers 34 to 24. That means that the Bearcats will be heading back to Memphis on Saturday to take on the Tigers for the American Athletic Conference title game. The game will be at Memphis, like I said, at the Liberty Bowl for the second straight week. The game will be at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. I'm not really that mad at the Bearcats' loss. It's just that heading to that game last Friday against the Tigers, I was really, really, really... Not confident that the Bearcats were even going to compete in Memphis just because of the quarterback issues. But here's what happened. Before the game, we found out that Desmond Ritter, the Bearcats' starting quarterback, sophomore quarterback, was not going to play. And that Ben Bryant, the Bearcats' sophomore quarterback, Ben Bryant, a sophomore. No, he's a freshman. He's a freshman. I'm sorry. Ben Bryant's a freshman that he was going to be the starting quarterback for the Bearcats against Memphis. There was a lot of rumors heading into the week that Des was obviously he's not been healthy these last five games and that everyone was thinking that they were trying to get Luke Fickle to say, listen, coach, if you want to win the game, you have to start Ben Bryant. I don't care that you have so much loyalty towards Des. I know Des is 21 and three in his last 24 starts as the Bearcats starting quarterback. Des has done a lot of great things for us. But this year, especially the last five games, Dad has not been himself. So when they when we got the news about 45 minutes before kickoff on Friday that Ben Bryant was going to be the starting quarterback, I was like, okay, let's see how this plays out. I was more, I didn't say UC was going to win, but I was more confident that Ben was going to make the right throws because Dad's couldn't make those deep passes because he hurt his shoulder in the USF game two weeks ago. So I was very, I was, I was, I was intrigued. I didn't expect a lot from Ben Bryant. I expect him to just dink and dunk, but Ben Bryant did, he did so well. Even though he had some turnovers, he, he was not afraid of the moment. And the moment wasn't too big for him. He had no fear. And I wouldn't mind having Ben Bryant at, as the Bearcats starting quarterback on Saturday for the AAC title game. But that's Luke Fickle's decision. So let's recap the game this past Friday. So the Bearcats, they kicked the ball off to Memphis. And then Chris Claybooks runs it in for 94 yards for a kick return touchdown. Makes it 7-0 Memphis. And I'm thinking to myself, special teams have been such a positive for the Bearcats football team all year. And for the for them to not <laughs> for them to not cover that kick especially the opening kick of the game, and allow Memphis to go 94 yards, take the lead. I was thinking to myself, here we go again. The necrophilia is beginning in Memphis. So Ben Bryan's first drive as a starting quarterback for the Bearcats, it went well. The Bearcats got the ball, went 11 plays, 63 yards, took 423 off the clock. Sam Costa hit a 30-yard field goal that made it 7-3 Memphis. I was thinking that was a great positive drive because – all of my men was on Memphis side. Going the opening kickoff in your home stadium, going 94 yards. I mean, I was thinking, oh boy, Ben's Bryant first first possession as a as a starting quarterback. I'm thinking to myself this could be this could get ugly. But he was able to stay calm. He was able to make some clutch third down passes. I was thinking to myself, 
this was a great positive drive. And I it 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 made me feel confident that you know we're gonna be okay in offense. But then Memphis came back. Brady White found Kadarian Jones for a nine yard touchdown reception. That took seven plays, seventy-seven yards, three oh one off the clock. That made it 14 three Tigers. And then Memphis added a field goal with Rally Passing hitting a thirty-five yard thirty-four yard field goal. That took eight plays, fifty-seven yards. 2.24 off the clock. So in the first quarter, Memphis 17, UC 3. Second quarter come around, Bearcats got a long, long offensive drive. 12 plays, 84 yards, took 5 or 6 off the clock. Ben Bryant found Leonard Taylor, the Bearcats' fifth tight end, for a four-yard touchdown reception on third down that made it 17-10 Tigers. I was thinking to myself, okay, that was a big drive. It was a long drive. You could not settle for three. Even when it was third down, I was thinking to myself, they didn't get the third down, they have to go for it on fourth down. And I'm so glad that the Bearcats were able to cash in on the play, cash in on third down. So 17-10 Tigers, and then the Bearcats went on another long touchdown drive, 14 plays, 80 yards, 631 off the clock. Michael Warren, 33-yard touchdown run, 17-17. I'm thinking to myself, wow, the Bearcats are in this game they have a shot. They're going they have a shot to win this game. So after that, the Tigers get the ball back. They went seven plays, sixty-five yards, took a minute thirty-one, minute thirty-five off the clock. And they settled for a twenty-eight yard field goal by Riley Patterson. So at halftime, Memphis twenty, Bearcats seventeen. I'm thinking to myself, Bearcats are fine. They're in this game. And in the third quarter, there was no scoring, but Ben Bryant turned the ball over twice, one on an interception and then one on a fumble. So, like I said, freshman playing his first collegiate, starting his first collegiate game, you're going to get those turnovers. You're going to get those mistakes. It just happened at the wrong time. But the Bearcats and Tigers traded no points. But here's what happened in third quarter. So Memphis had the ball right around the red zone area. They went for on fourth and two. Brady White play action and was rolling to the right, couldn't find an open man, ball incomplete. The Bearcats defense made a big-time stop, stopping the Tigers from even scoring a field goal because it was fourth and two. They were were already in field goal range, way beyond field goal range. Tigers had to go for it. They wanted to go for a touchdown, but the Bearcats defense was able to stay strong. Bearcats offense get the ball back. Michael Warren burst out for a big run, and then the Bearcats had the ball at the red zone, same situation the Tigers had it in their last possession. The Bearcats had it in their possession. Fourth and two. I think it was, I believe it was fourth and one, actually. Ritter, not Ritter, Bryant was in shotgun formation. I'm thinking to myself, you either play accident, you don't run the football. And the Tigers, it was such a predictable play call by Mike Denbrock, the Bearcats offensive coordinator. They decided to run a, a play to Michael Warren. So, Bryant was on shotgun formation. He handed off to to Warren. Tigers stuffed it. it. They were anticipating the run. Bearcats decided not to kick the field goal. At first, I was like, kick the field goal. You kick the field goal. The game is tied at 20. But I understand Fickle saying that in this type of game, you have to go for touchdowns. And I get it because Memphis is a high-power offense. They can score at will. I'm th- I, when I was watching the game, I thought... This is this is that was the killer. That was the killer. The Bearcats had to go to had to had to had to just kick the field goal to tie the game up. But I understand Fickle going for it, and I'm with him. 
I would have not called that play call. The play call was so predictable, so predictable. That's why Mike Denbrock needs to go at the end of the season. He needs to go. He needs to go. Like, after the ball game's over and the Bearcats coaches and stuff, they do evaluation. Denbrock has to go. Bring in Ryan Day. I don't care. Just any, anybody but anybody but Denbrock. Because his play calling, especially in the second half of this game, was just egregious. I was just like, you got to be kidding me with this play call. Like, Memphis was just ready for it. Ugh, frustrating. Frustrating. So the fourth quarter came along. So the Memphis got the ball. Brady White found DeMonte Coxie, weird last name, for a 46-yard touchdown pass that made it 27-17 Tigers. I was thinking to myself, well, that could be the dagger, but the Bearcats were able to bounce back. They got an eight plays, 75 yards, touchdown drive that took two minutes, 55 off the clock. Ben Bryant ran it in for a 12-yard touchdown run, and Ben Bryant's high school coach said that Ben Bryant's is very underrated runner, and it tell he had some he had some option draw plays to him, and Ben Bryant can run the football. Now we want Ben Bryant to throw the football because our quarterback got hurt probably by running the football, Desmond Ritter, our starting quarterback. So I want Ben to just focus on throwing the football. But he's a very underrated runner, his high school coach said. So that made it twenty seven twenty four, Tigers, and then Memphis. Pretty much sealed the deal with Antonio Gibson, 29-yard touchdown run. That made it 34-24 Memphis at the 316 mark. And that was the final score. So the Tigers won the game. So they're 11-1 this season. Look at the Bearcats' stats. Bearcats fall at 10-2, by the way, to end the regular season. Look at the stats for the Bearcats. Ben Bryant, first collegiate start, 20 for 32, 229 yards, one touchdown, two picks, lost fumble. Michael Warren had 21 carries, 422 yards, and a touchdown run. Alex Pierce had a, had four receptions for 77 yards. He had a big 51-yard reception that set up Ben Bryant's touchdown run late in the fourth quarter. Josiah DeGraw had four receptions for 46 yards. Rashad Madaris had three receptions for 39 yards. Bearcats defense, I got to give the Bearcats defense a shout-out. Memphis is a high-power offense. They came in the game averaging 40 points per game. They held them to 34 points. And the Bearcats defense, they held it out. They held they held their own. And I have to give them props for that because that offense is just, it's fast. Antonio Gibson's a fast running back. And the Bearcats did their job. They they. They kept that game at bay. They they gave their offense a chance. Amar Gardner had a pick in the game. Amar Gardner is such a talented player. He's only a freshman. He's only going to get better. Brian Wright and Derek Forrest had great games. So the defense did their job. Defense played well. And I'm very proud of the defense for hanging in there against a tough, tough Memphis offense. But the Achilles heels for the, for the Bearcats all year... It, it, it bite them in this game, penalties. Bearcats came in the game leading the country with 105 penalties. They had seven penalties for 50 yards. And you just can't have penalties like the Bearcats had in this game, especially to an offense like Memphis. So you just knew that with this team coming in at 10-1, and one, they really have the, the penalties – that they've racked up all years, all all season hasn't really cost this team. But they had a couple of penalties during this game that were really detrimental, especially the the one where Sanders. So the Bearcats 
had the had the Tigers stop at the middle of the field on a third down play. Fourth down, it was about I believe it was about five minutes left in the game. You force a punt, you force Memphis to punt, you get the ball back, you have a chance to tie or take the lead. So one of the Memphis offensive linemen was dragging one of the Bearcat players to the ground, and when the Bearcat player was getting up, it was a it was it was just it was a weak call, but you just can't do you just can't show that aggression in front of the referees. He sort of swung at the Memphis player. The, it was in front of the referee. The referee threw the flag. And I saw that, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this team is so undisciplined. I was like, holy hell, like, really? And it's just, in that magnitude of the game, you, you just, I understand it was it was a weak call, but you just can't, you can't just do it in front of the officials because the officials, I hate blaming officials for everything. It, it just happens with football and basketball, but that call was weak. But like I said, you just, you just can't, you can't do that in front of them. So... That was just, these penalties are, you just couldn't have these type of penalties, especially in this type of game. They haven't had all season, but in this game, the Bearcats had some costly penalties. Overall, the offense had 407 total yards. Memphis had 432, so the Bearcats were able to keep up with the Tigers. Tigers won the first down battle by only one, 21-20. Passing yards, the Bearcats held Brady White to 233 yards of passing. Rushing Memphis rushed for over 200 yards. Well, they were at 189, so pretty much they rushed for, over, they rushed for 200 yards. Bearcats rushed for 178. And I said last week of the podcast that the Bearcats had to win the time possession in order to be closer to this game. They won the time possession by five minutes, winning at 32 minutes and 29 seconds to 27 minutes and 31 seconds to Memphis. But the thing is, penalties and then turnovers. Bearcats were minus two in the turnover category. Three to one. So the Bearcats, they it frust this game frustrates me because they had their chances. They had their chances to win the game. But penalties, turnovers, you're not gonna win those games on the road. Especially in especially in this game. You're not. You're not. So with the American Athletic Conference title game already set for a rematch at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis this coming Saturday, the question is who's Who's going to be the Bearcats' starting quarterback? Is it going to be Desmond Ritter or is it going to be Ben Bryant? So here's what Luke Fickle said on Monday about Des. He said, well, Desmond Ritter is our quarterback. I think that, you know, for what he's done here over the last two years, there's no doubt who our quarterback is. We were smart with him last week. We held him out last week. He said he was ready to go and able to go. Just didn't feel like maybe he had the pop he needed. We were trying to be smart with him, not overlooking that last week and looking forward to the for- looking forward to the following week. But his most important is that Des is our guy. Okay, I get it. Listen, Desmond Ritter is the Bearcats' starting quarterback. And if he's healthy this week, Luke Fickle's going to start him. And he did say at the end of the quote that they believe in him. And I believe they do believe in him. But you think Des is going to be 100% by Saturday? I just don't know. So here's what Des, here's what I'm, I'm sorry, here, here's what Luke said about Ben Bryant last Friday after the game. He said, I think he did a really good job, Ben Bryant. Obviously, the turnovers in the second half were things that ended up hurting us. But for the most part, 
His poise, his presence, his ability to recover from even the turnovers showed an incredible maturity in a kid that, that hasn't played a whole lot of football for us. We believe that. We believe in him as a staff. Individually, I sat with him and let him know all of that. But the reality is, when you see a guy in the heat of the action, not just how exactly he plays, but how he handles the moment, it gives you a lot of excitement about what Ben has 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 a chance to do and can bring to the table. Ben handled the moment perfectly fine on Friday. He was able to stay comp- composed, and it it looked like Ben was it didn't it, it didn't it didn't get to him. So, in my opinion, if Dez is healthy, if Dez says he's healthy, like any any college quarterback or any quarterback NFL college. Even if they're hurt, they're going to say, I'm ready to go because they want to be out there. They want to be out there for the teammates. I understand that. But if I'm fickle, if my starting quarterback, if Dez is not 100% healthy, you want Dez to be healthy for this game on Saturday. If he's not 100%, if he says he's 80%, I'm not taking no chances. I'm starting Ben Bryant. I'm starting Ben. And Ben's a sophomore quarterback, by the way. But I'm starting Ben. So, I don't know. It's it's up to Fickle, but if I was making a decision, i start Ben Bryant. But Luke said in his quote that Dez is, is our quarterback. So, if Dez has a good week of practice, if he doesn't feel no ill effects of his shoulder injury, his throwing arm, I might add, then he's going to start on Saturday. But I believe the Bearcats should start Ben Bryant. That's just my opinion. So the AAC Conference title game is on Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. The winner, well, if Memphis wins, then Memphis will be going to the Cotton Bowl. But if UC wins, it sets up the big scenario where could the Bearcats potentially be in the mix for a New Year's Six Bowl? Because with the loss on Friday... Everyone just assumed that the Bearcats are out of the mix. But let's say if UC wins and then let's hope Hawaii beats Boise State, then I believe UC should be the New Year's Six representative. So it's going to come down between... So right now Memphis is on is in the leaderboard when it comes to representing the mid-majors, I call them, for to, to be represent one of the mid-majors for the New Year's Six Bowl. After that, it could go Boise State, it could go UC, or it could go Appalachian State. Those are the four teams ahead. So, to say if UC wins, and then you look at strength of schedule between Boise State and Appalachian State, Boise State's strength of schedule and Appalachian State's schedule, strength of schedule, they're in the high 90s to 100s. UC's strength of schedule is 45th. But I believe the committee with UC having two losses, they won't, they won't, I believe they won't put a two loss team in a New Year's Six Bowl game. But UC has to win on Saturday. And then if Boise State loses to Hawaii, then UC is going to, is going to the Cotton Bowl. But it won't matter if Memphis wins. Because Memphis wins, then they're going to the Cotton Bowl. And if UC wins and Boise State wins, then it's 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 hard. It's hard. And to the to the fans of Boise State, there's a lot of Boise State Boise State fans that come out of the closet. 
they're like Twitter. They're like Twitter thugging. They're like keyboard warriors thinking like, oh yeah, we're we're Boise State. It's like, are you guys even fans? Like, I thought Boise State fans were were dead. Like, you guys had your moment in glory in 2007 when you beat Oklahoma in the Tostitas Fiesta Bowl with that Statue of Liberty play. After that, I forgot about Boise State even being a football team. All of a sudden, you guys are having a good season, and you want to stick up your chest and saying that we should we if we win our our conference title game and if and if you you guys if UC wins against Memphis on Saturday, then we're going to represent. The all conference in a New Year's Six bowl game. I'm like, Boise State has fans. That's what I was thinking. I'm, I'm going over Twitter. I'm on Twitter and I'm seeing Boise State fans come out of the closet. Like I said, I'm like, when I'm not gonna argue with you. Like, no. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I was like, wow. You guys have a blue turf. That's the only. I, mean, I don't like. I don't like a blue turf. Y'all. Ugh. Boise State has fans. That's a. Ugh. Wow. Coming out of the closet. All right, coming out of the Twitter closet. I see you, Boise State fans. I see you. So it's going to be a, it's a, it's an interesting topic of discussion and debate. Throw away my bias towards UC, but I believe that if I wasn't a UC fan and I look at the, the metrics, I look at the schedules between UC, Boise State, and Appalachian State, UC's two losses are only to the best team in the country right now in Ohio State and a Memphis team that has 11 wins and a great team to you see Boise State's best win was against Florida State who's trashed this year and then Appalachian State lost at home I believe to I don't know who they lost to at home but they lost to a team that was not good you're trying to tell me you're going to put either Boise State or Appalachian State in a New Year's Six bowl game over UC really so, we'll see. It all depends if UC wins on Saturday. And then it sets up a great great topic of debate of who's going to represent, of the mid-majors team, who's going to represent them in the New Year's Six Bowl, at the Cotton Bowl. So, all this stuff won't matter if Memphis wins on Saturday. Memphis wins, they're going to be in the, they're going to be in the Cotton Bowl. So, we shall see. So UC basketball, let's let's talk about them. They had a week off after playing the Paradise Jam Classic last week, and that didn't go so well. They came, they went. I think UC ended up settling for third place, <clears throat> but they, the the Bearcats will be at, will be in Madison. Will actually they'll be playing the Berkeley Center in the NIT tournament next season. So preseason. Don't they're not good. The Bearcats basketball team is not an NIT. Calm down. They're just going to be playing in an NIT preseason tournament next year. I believe that's what's called. So no more Paradise Jam. The games will be on ESPN. Thank goodness. Anyways, Bearcats took on the UNLV Running Rebels this past Saturday. The Bearcats were able to survive, winning in overtime again. 72-65. I said again because it's a third straight overtime game for the Bearcats. In the Paradise Jam in the U.S. Virgin Islands, the Bearcats played Bowling Green in overtime, and they lost that game. And then the next day, they played Valparaiso, and they won that game in overtime. So this UNLV game recap, the Bearcats trailed at halftime 33-24. It wasn't good. Offense looked shaky. Defense was not was not good. So overall, I was thinking to myself, 
we're going to lose to UNLV, who lost pretty handily against UCLA a couple of weeks ago. I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is a bad look. Second half came rolling. UNLV had a 39-28 advantage at the 16-29 mark. And then the Bearcats went on a 12-0 run. They took a 40-39 lead at the 12-50 mark. Keith Williams was... He caught fire during that run. He had a put-back dunk that got the crowd on on their feet at Fifth Third Arena. And then after that, the Bearcats, they were trading leads of UNLV, and then they were able to take the lead. And the Bearcats had a 58-48 lead with a minute and five left of the game. Okay? A minute and five left of the game. You know how they you know how they choked this they choked that? They were missing free throws. Free throws for this team has been bad, especially in the Paradise Jam tournament. <clears throat> Bearcats missed free throws. And then UNLV, Elijah Mitrow tied the game with a three-point basket with one second left from the corner that made it 60-60. Overtime, I was frustrated. Well, I just shook my head because, like I said, and I, I said in previous podcasts, Nothing shocks me anymore when it comes to Cincinnati sports. So this was not a shock because the Bearcats basketball team of John Brandon cannot make free throws. Cannot. And it's frustrating. So the, so the game went in overtime. The Bearcats were able to were able to hold on. They won the advantage at overtime, 12-5. Final score, Bearcats 72. UNLV running Rebels 65. Bearcats improved to 5-2 and two in the season. Bearcats were led by Jaron Cumberland, who scored 20 points, was 3-12 from the field, but was 12-17 from the free throw line, had 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Jaron played 37 minutes, so his toe issue, it looks like Jaron was okay. He was able to play 37 minutes, like I said. Keith Williams played 33 minutes, had 14 points, 8 rebounds. Chris Vogt, who scored 0 points in the second, in the first half, I'm sorry, had 14 points in the second half slash overtime combined. Micah Adam Woods, the freshman, the New York product, played thir- played 29 minutes, had 10 points and 5 rebounds. He was a Bearcats spark plug, and I really like Micah Adams Woods. He's going to be a really good player for the Bearcats. He played more minutes than the Bearcats' starting point guard, Chris McNeil, who only played 13 minutes, <clears throat> was over 3 from the field, had 0 points and 3 assists. So, I like how John Brandon was able to trust the freshman, especially in this type of game. So, really good game experience by Adams Woods, and he's going to be a, a vital factor for this team down the road. So, I like that. I like what John Brandon is trying to do. He's trying to, if you're, if you're not playing well, he's going to insert players from the bench and he did that with Adams Woods and he played played really well so Bearcats have a big week coming up so they have Vermont coming to fit third arena at the Catamounts on Tuesday that game will be on 7 p that game will be at fit third arena like I said 7 p.m. On CBS Sports Network, you can hear the game on 700 WLW. The Catamounts are 6-3. and three. Vermont's a very good team. They lost to Virginia at Virginia back in November 19th, 61-55. But then they have losses like to Ryder, 72-67 on the 24th of November. And then this past Sunday, they lost at Yale, 65-52. So you... 
We'll see. Is this a winnable game for the Bearcats? Yes. Will it be a close game? Yes. Will it go to overtime? Probably. So if the Bearcats can get through Vermont, then they have the Crosstown shootout with Xavier on Saturday. That game will be at Xavier, 5 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1. <clears throat> Xavier is 7-1. And, and the Bearcats have not beaten Xavier in Xavier since 2001. So we're going on 18 years about the Bearcats winning at Centaur Center. Will it end? I don't know because Xavier looks beatable. But when the whenever you see Xavier play at Centaur Center, an unknown Xavier player just goes off. AKA Canner. So <clears throat> we'll see. Is this the year the Bearcats finally beat Xavier at Xavier? I don't know. I really don't know. Bearcats got to focus on Vermont on Tuesday and then worry about Xavier on Saturday. So, big week coming up. The Bearcats can at least go <clears throat> six and three. With they have to, I believe they have to beat Vermont, and then the Xavier game. It's it's just I really don't know because it's Xavier and it's at Xavier and Xavier plays really well. But then again, it's not Mick Cronin coaching. It's John Brandon coaching his first ever crosstown shootout. So. And he did send his presser that this game means a lot to to the university and to the alumni, to the fans, and to the players. So Mick downplayed this game. So John Brandon is not downplaying this game. So we'll see. We'll see. Big week ahead. And who in their right minds decided to put the UC Memphis AAC title game on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern on ABC and then put the UC and Xavier game same day, Saturday, 5 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Who in their right mind decided to schedule that? Oh, my heart. And this podcast is provided by Life Alert because I'm going to need that on Saturday because, Lord have mercy, I just might pass out. <clears throat> I might as well start drinking right now because just thinking about Saturday, it's giving me anxiety. Oh, man, I need some shots. Relax, I'm just joking. But will I be drinking? Yeah, maybe a couple or two because I'm going to need it. But, like, who puts... Oh, man. If the Bearcats basketball and football team win on the same day, that'd be the best day of my life. And I haven't had best days when it comes to my sports teams, ever. So, somebody asked on Twitter, <clears throat> who do you want to win more? UC football or UC basketball when it comes to Saturday? In my humbling pillin in my humbling opinion, I will want UC football because I just don't think UC is going to beat Xavier and Xavier. And the way we look right now as a basketball team, uh, I don't know. But anything can happen. But like I said, nothing shocks me. And I want UC to win in football because we're still in play for a New Year's Six bowl game. Maybe. But you get to have a trophy. You get to hang a banner. And you're playing on national TV, so it'll be perfect for recruits, perfect for the university get to get their shout out. So I will want UC football. If I'm if I'm if I'm picking what I want, UC football or UC basketball to win on Saturday, I want football. But I want both. If they can both win on the same day, holy moly! I, I don't know what I'll do. What I do? Okay, here's the thing. If they both win on Saturday. I will do an emergency podcast, meaning I will do a podcast from the bar that I'm going to be at. Man, maybe I'll do it outside, but I'll do I'll do something. 
I will do an emergency podcast. It, say how, how about this? If you see football wins, then I'll do an emergency podcast. If you see basketball win, I'll do an emergency podcast. If they both lose, <coughs> you won't hear from me for another like month. <laughs> I'm just joking. But either way, I'm going to do an emergency podcast. Either basketball or football wins. So we'll see. So big week ahead for UC Athletics, both football and basketball. So the Bengals won their first game on Sunday. They beat the Jets 22-6. The Jets are utterly garbage. Bunch of shits. So Andy Dalton broke some records. He has the most touchdowns and completions in Bengals history. Good for Andy Dalton. Zach Taylor gets his first career coaching win. Good for them. Good for Zach and Andy. But the Bengals are going to find a way to F this up and probably win the remaining four games, which are against the Browns twice. And then against, well, they're not going to beat the Patriots, but they they do play the Dolphins. So they might win three or four and F up the chances of getting Joe Burrow because it's the Bengals. So screw that team. Before I go, we got some baseball news. Yes, Cincinnati Reds baseball news. The Reds on Monday signed Mike Moustakis. To a, they signed him to a four-year deal worth $64 million. This is a big deal. Moustakis just turned 31 in September. He was a free agent for the third straight offseason after <clears throat> earning $18.7 million in a pair of one-year deals. I, I, like, I, like, I like this deal. I like it. And he's projected to play second base for the Reds. Last year... Musakis hit 254 with 35 home runs and 87 RBIs for the Milwaukee Brewers, earning his third All-Star selection. <clears throat> he started at he started the year at second, then moved to third when Travis Shaw started sucking. So it's a good deal. I like it. Musakis is 31. He'll be 35 at the end of this deal. So he's still a productive player. He has a bat, and that's what the Reds need. And the Reds did say that they were going to be busy in the offseason, so this is a start. Let's hope this is just this is just the beginning. So I like this deal. I like it a lot, and we're going to be saying woos at Great American Ballpark next year. So a very surprising deal, but I like it. I like it for the Reds. So this is, this is just the beginning. I hope it is, Dick Williams. This is just the beginning. I hope it is. So... It's a long podcast because we had a lot to a lot to cover with <clears throat> UC football, UC basketball, the Reds, and unfortunately the Bengals. So, like I said, the next podcast could be on Saturday. It could be an emergency podcast, and for a very good reason. If UC football or basketball win their games because they're playing the same day on Saturday, December seventh. So, either December seventh could be. The worst day of my effing life when it comes to my sports teams. Or December 7th could be the best sports day of my life. We shall see. You guys take care. You guys have a great week. I can't believe December's already here. I can't believe 2019's over already. This year has been... But I can't wait for 2020. Because 2020 is going to be the year of my sports teams. Doing well. Probably not. See you all hopefully on Saturday. If not, I will see you guys next week at the at the next edition episode podcast of the depressed Cincinnati sports fan podcast i am jesse mapati signing off on this long ass podcast see y'all next week or maybe saturday peace